This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, we're joined now by Caden Fagan here to make his college decision. Caden, the floor is yours. Where are you going to school? I mean, this decision wasn't easy. It took a lot of time and talks with my mom and my family, but I think um, I should move on and commit to the University of... Caden, congratulations on your decision. Why University of Illinois? I mean, it's just close to home and, I mean, family atmosphere, definitely. Especially the last visit, getting to meet, like, the the basketball coach, too, and seeing, like, how good the basketball team is doing. I think Coach B is trying to take the team in that direction, too. Well, Brett Bielma hinted at this kind of addition. If you were uh, on Illini Inquirer the last couple of months, especially the last couple of weeks, this wasn't too unexpected, but wow, what a first get in the class of 2023 is Illinois lands four-star Arthur Lovington Atwood Hammond. It's a mouthful. Uh, running back Caden Fagan, a big downstate in-state get, the number three prospect in the state of Illinois. According to the 24-7 Sports Composite, if you go just by 24-7 Sports, we have him as the number six in-state prospect. But either way, a huge in-state get would be the first top 10 prospect to sign with Illinois since 2017. And uh, Joey Wagner, along with me, Jeremy Warner, Alana Enquirer publisher. Joey, uh, we were talking about after last year, what a great start in state. You got prospects that you need to get, kind of that 10 through 30 range. Uh, Illinois really made a lot of great inroads. But the next step was getting that headliner. And boy, this is a headliner get beating Notre Dame, Iowa, several Power 5 programs for one of the best prospects in the state in Caden Fagan. Yeah, you can do a lot of damage in that 10 to 30 range as a program in terms of getting those pieces, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't try for the 1 through 10 range in the state of Illinois. And This is a really big one, man. It's in so many ways, and I know we'll get into it, but who they beat, which is that's a pretty good list, and I think some of those offers that came in later you know, if some of those programs would have, you know, maybe felt a window, I, perhaps they would have pushed a little harder, but it felt like the top three, Notre Dame, Iowa, Illinois, was pretty much entrenched for months, really, Jeremy. I mean, it's, it's been a while there. So you beat out those programs. And, man, I mean, this was this was a Brett Bielema special. I mean, let's be honest. This was found him early, pushed, Brett pushed. I, I, I think that's a big thing is Brett really grabbed a hold of this thing and pushed. And, of course, once Illinois offered, we've seen this before, mm-hmm. you know, some other programs start filing in. But this it is just a big one. It's a big splash to start off. And it's, it's a really good prospect. Like, this isn't just some, oh, yeah, that's a nice name. That's a nice number to have. He, he's a really good prospect. Yeah, and I think if you're Illinois and you have – how does Illinois get top ten 
in-state prospects. If you want, if you want to blueprint a playbook, they did it with Caden Fagan, right? They were the first offer. If they're in-state, you want those connections where, hey, these coaches tell you you might want to get in on this kid early. He's he's got great potential. And we got six foot three at the time. I think it was two hundred fifteen pounds sophomore that finished second in state in the long jump. Uh, you know, obviously was a great athlete. Still had to show it on a football field, Joey. But uh, clearly was a great talent. Illinois checked him out, offered him. They get him on campus early and often. And you know, Iowa, Notre Dame, better programs come along. But you know what you did? You out recruited. You showed him that he was a priority, and then they pushed a lot of great buttons after that. You know, Corey Patterson was one of the leads in this recruitment, uh, really developed a good relationship with the family, which is very important. Uh, I think there's a family that didn't mind Caden being close to home, uh, and then you were able to sell the home state sell, and you get towards the end of this recruitment, Brad Underwood involved, right? And and that's an example for an Illinois basketball fan in Caden of how, if I buy into this, I can be the Io. I don't know if he's going to be as good of a player. He's going to be an All-American player like Io DeSumo, but Io DeSumo and Brad Underwood showed it could be done. Why not? If I, if he was feeling those feelings of, man, I kind of like Illinois, but Notre Dame and Iowa, you know, those are places I can go. No, I'm going to be an NFL prospect. No, they're going to win. Uh, that's my only thing with Illinois. And then he sees Illinois basketball do well. Underwood talks to him personally about that. So every little blueprint that I think you want to follow of landing a kid like this, they followed and they executed. So it's, it's a kudos to the staff because these are the kind of prospects you got to keep. A kid from Arthur, Illinois, a kid from Gibson City, Illinois, like uh, Aiden Lawfrey, a kid from Rochester in, in Hank Beatty. Those are the guys you want to keep uh, from leaving your backyard. Yeah, with the Underwood thing, when you're not having – I don't want to say when you're not having success. I mean, last year they didn't make a bowl game, but I think we, we saw the growth. But long-term, Illinois hasn't had success on the football field. You have to get creative. You have to find ways that – and you get creative by knowing who, who you're recruiting and what buttons work on the guys you're recruiting. And they did that with Caden, and, and that's that's a testament to who they are. And, and look, they offered him before he played a game his sophomore year. And now, that was – postponed and he would have played a game by that point but it was postponed due to the pandemic and that mattered too I mean that was that wasn't a risky offer offers generally aren't really risky but like you really went out on one and you trusted your connections in the state you know how many people were looking at this sophomore kid from Arthur with the town of you know 1500 people and 300 people in the school I mean it was a good find early and I think Caden would have been found I mean this you don't you don't <laughs> scouts are too good to miss kids like that <laughs> they turn up somewhere but yeah it's it, it was it was a blessing really good way to put it jeremy it was a blueprint to kind of outkick your coverage a little bit yeah and, and they did that which we know brett bielma can do uh in life so kudos to him <laughs> Uh, I, I I did that a little bit as well myself. Um, so Joey Caden Fagan is a, a big time prospect, clearly, right? Uh, top three hundred in the twenty four seven sports composite, um, and he's number three in the twenty four seven sports composite. Whether we have him as a high three star or others have him as a four star, he's a really really good talent. Now is he a guy? You know, Illinois fans are not used to, to landing many four-star prospects. So when they do, they keep special tabs on him. Like a, a kid like Isaiah Williams, you want to work out. But recently, some of those big gets haven't worked out outside of Isaiah. You know, Shaman Cooper still finding his way. Calvin Avery, Virtus Brown, is this the year they finally break out, entering, what, year five for Calvin, year four 
for Virtus here. Uh, Marquez Beeston certainly with the injuries. So I, I think we know, like, hey, Jordan Anderson's probably not – or not Jordan Anderson. Uh, Caden Fagan is not going to come in here and probably be a 1,000-yard running back year one, right? Like, if that's your expectation for a four-star prospect, let's tone it down a little bit. But he is the type of talent they need more of. you got to get more talents like this where – you can see in three years where he's going to be a problem for, for somebody trying to stop him in the Big Ten as a running back because he not only has the size, but he's got pretty good speed um, for, for a guy his size. Now, he's got to, not going to burn away from all these Big Ten linebackers, but he can get chunk yards. He's going to be tough for safeties to bring down, of course. Uh, and then he's got some athleticism, quickness. And you know, one thing I like about Jordan Anderson as a player is that he's got hands. He can be a versatile player. I'd, I'm interested to see if Caden Fagan has that, but – when you start stacking talent like this, Jordan Anderson, Josh McCray, Caden Fagan, all of a sudden, Joey, you start to get a lot of competition and just start to stack some depth. That has been a serious issue for Illinois. And maybe one of those guys, two of those guys, really breaks out into a Big Ten star. So um, is Caden Fagan going to be all Big Ten? I think he's got that capability. But to get more talent like this is, is certainly a necessity. And, and he's an exciting prospect, man. I, I know some people question if he didn't dominate uh, at the 1A level, well, we found out he's fractured his ankle in the summer, healed, and then he played on it despite it feeling uncomfortable for most of the year. He just had surgery uh, to repair some damage in there. So you hope he's all good by, by the fall. You never want injuries uh, to a prospect before he gets there, but um, still a pretty good prospect when we turn on that film. Yeah, and let's be honest. When you're playing Arthur Lovington Atwood Hammond, you, you game plan – all week to stop Caden Fagan. And it's harder to do with more talent around you at the Big Ten level. And, and I understand four stars at Illinois recently hasn't always had the highest return rate in, in terms of on the field. Big impact, I guess, Isaiah is obviously the biggest one, but it reminds me a lot of what Brad Underwood says with, with going to the tournament. You just want as many bites at the apple as you can. I mean, just keep getting good prospects and you know, trust your coaching staff to get them there and get them to where they want to be. And good things will probably happen. You know, to your point, will that be all Big Ten? I don't know. But if if you don't have a drop-off between two and three or one and two in the depth chart, that's it's a place Illinois football can't say it's always been in a while. So it's this is such a – it's just a huge first get. And, and we know Brett wanted to do yeah. this, and he, he wanted a big splash first. And – and I credit to Caden for being the one to take that plunge. We saw Joey Oakla do it last year and and run with it and, and did a really good job running with it. And Caden seems to be embracing that too. But I, I, it comes back to Brett to me, yeah. Jeremy. Like this was Brett's guy. Like yeah, we know, we know we know that at one point like last summer, Caden Fagan was the number one prospect on their board. Like the, the number one guy in state that they said, we got to land this guy. And I think that's a credit to Brett because there might be better players, right? Like Charles Jagusa uh, is, is a better player, at least according to the rankings right now. Miles McVeigh has way more offers out of East St. Louis. Um, you know, some people might like Jair Hill more as a prospect out of Kankakee. But they said, this kid out of Arthur, 6'3", 220, 225, with this kind of athleticism, that's our guy. We got to have this kind of guy in our program. And they treated him like that. They treated him like the top priority while Notre Dame, you know, offered him, recruited him. But coaching it was either, change. yeah, then they had the coaching change, but was either top priority 
No, Iowa, they'll be fine without Caden Fagan. Illinois is like, no, you're our guy. We want you to be the first one. And he jumped on board. Like they, they probably held off some other guys lower ranked from committing right away because they wanted Caden Fagan to be kind of the Pied Piper in this class. Yeah, and you know, talent wants to play with talent, Jeremy. And Caden Fagan's got that. And we'll, now we'll see. That's not to guarantee. That doesn't guarantee that there's going to be a rush of you know commits behind him. Like, you know, obviously there's going to be commits. You got to fill off the class, but it doesn't mean it's going to be they're going to nail every prospect going forward, but. We talked so much last year about like, you know, when there was the whole, where are the four stars? I mean, there were people who were looking at the, and I get it. I, I get it. But we said the process is sound. Like that has been the big thing is this process that they've done, zoning in, sending everybody in the world on the recruiting staff at them, the coaching staff, recruiting staff, putting it all together, all paid off. And, and that's something you want to see them do continue to do that we, we know there's a lot of possibilities for the class of 2023 in the state of illinois there's some high-end options for them that they seem to be doing a good enough job with right now so just trust the process that you've seen work over and over oh, i hate saying that too i know that's such an overused process trust the process philadelphia ruined that for everybody to say ever again but it, it's, it's about building idea. culture joey if we want to add more it's about it's about our oh culture my God. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Which there's there's truth to it, right? There, there there's is, truth there to is. those things. It's just to hear it over and over again. Yeah, it's but yeah, I, yeah, you're right. We do know that he was one of the top ones, and I think Brett was really honest with him throughout the whole process and kind of prepped him for, hey man, you're gonna have a lot of people calling you. Just know that, like, mm-hmm. isn't that better than trying to hide, you know, hide it and just putting it all out there for him and his family, and I think playing close to home. I think that's also a pretty big deal. Okay, Caden's a dude. He likes his hometown. He likes all of that. And guess what? His hometown really, really likes him too. Yeah. And, I, and the last two deal. announcements I've been to, Joey. Sorry to interrupt you. Is no, go for it. Aiden and Caden. Rhyme, by the way. Uh, both running backs, Central Illinois kids in your backyard that you want to land, and. Those are especially cool. Not not to say that it's not a big moment for some kid from the suburbs from some huge Chicagoland school, right? It's still really cool when that happens. But usually if you go to Marist or you go to St. Rita or you go to Brother Rice, you saw a bunch of guys go to Division One level. Uh, Gibson City has seen like Bryce Barnes go there as a walk-on. Um, Mitch McNutt go to Illinois as a walk-on. But to see a kid go through recruitment with like Michigan State, Minnesota, Iowa, and for him to pick Illinois was such a cool moment for all those young youth players as he was making the announcement to see. And then at Caden, I mean, Arthur has a lot of kids that go track D1, but to have a kid, yeah, softball, but Notre Dame, Illinois, Iowa, Miami, all these schools, Tennessee that had offered him, uh, to see him do that. Now, not all these kids are 6'3", 225, like Caden Fagan with great athleticism. But to, to see that dream come true for a small-town kid, it's just really cool. And if you're Illinois, you really want those uh, in your program. Because, again, I, I've mentioned the stat before, Joey, but from 2014 to 2021, there were 44 guys from downstate Illinois, south of I-80, that were recruited and signed with a Power 5 school. And they were in the top 35 of the in-state rankings. Seven of those went to Illinois. That's atrocious. Now, maybe you lose on a Nick Broker because he's so good. You can't lose on a Sam Laporta because you didn't offer him. 
right? You can't you can't lose on Hunter Woodard because you didn't get in early, and even though he's down in Tuscola, twenty minutes away, right? Like those are just painful, painful misses. And Brett Bielma is is hitting these. He lost on Austin Brown, right? He wasn't able to recruit these St. Louis kids last year, but Hank Beatty had an Iowa State offer. He got him. Uh, Aiden Lawfrey, all those Power Five offers, he got him. Um, you know, Clayton Leonard, they took a chance on, but they didn't want somebody else to come in and steal him from him. So, uh, and now you add Caden Fagan to that mix. I, I think that's a really good sign that that Bielma, a guy from Prophetstown, is is starting to land these kids who are right in your backyard. You can't lose those Central Illinois kids. Now you're going to lose some in East St. Louis just because the SEC connections, but anyone else uh, between there and uh, you know I eighty Illinois has got to be a major player. In. Yeah, and, and and I know on the surface, you know, I think especially maybe not people in the state because they understand the layout, but nationally, people who think Illinois it's like oh Chicago, like yeah, okay, whatever. There's a lot of really good prospects downstate Illinois, and a lot of those haven't gone to Illinois. The big ones worked, right? Kendrick Green worked. That that was when we saw Lovey push and get Kendrick, and head coaching, by the way, head coaches pushing for a recruit seems to work uh, pr- pretty stinking well, Austin Brown notwithstanding. Wouldn't you know but, it? Wouldn't you know it? Like, well, that's a thing. Lovey, when he got involved, was good. Awesome. That's why it was so frustrating that he, he wasn't more involved with, with some of the kids. But when he got involved, like a Johnny Newton or a Keith Randolph, man, he had sway. Brett Bielma uses that with almost every prospect. Yeah, and, and I know we've talked to – I'm not even staying on any for, sort of path here at all, Jeremy. Uh, I, I know we've talked about this. A lot is – with how this all works out, like we know Corey, if you had to pick an assistant, Corey was the lead here. Uh, and we know Brett Bielema had a very big hand in this. But what we've noticed now into the second year of evaluating how this staff goes about it, it's harder and harder sometimes to find the quote-unquote lead yeah. on a kid. Yeah, filling, filming being, out that on the in the website sometimes gets really hard. I'm adding more secondary recruiters than I ever <laughs> have on that. And it's hard for me to pick those because, you know, those coaches see it and all of that. But, like, we want to try and show who's kind of the lead here, but it's a great thing for Illinois that that's a hard thing for us to figure out because before it felt like it was one, maybe two assistants, maybe the head coach gets involved at the end. Now it's a full staff thing, man. Yeah, and I think it maybe happens in phases or steps the more we look at this. Like, you know, let's look at Joey Okla, for instance, Bart, right? Bart's the guy early on. Maybe Joey's not the best example because that was pretty, like, bam, bam, that happened. But you, you see a position coach get in there early, start to to lay the basis of a groundwork of a relationship, and then it's just fast and furious with the rest of the staff. And, and they seem to work really well together too, Jeremy. That's not the case on every staff in the country where they all walk hand in hand into a high school and, you know, and try to circle a kid and get him. Like that's a – having – you know, we've heard defensive coaches call offensive guys. We've heard offensive coaches call defensive guys. And and it's just that full court press at the end to get it done. And that's, again, it comes back to the process and, and just seeing that what they, they believe in what they do and what they do is has worked out when you're not selling anything other than hope. You're not selling wins. You're not selling – you're selling yourselves, you're selling a heck of a lot of hope, and you're selling a relationship between kids and a relationship between families and hoping like crazy that that works out. And, and we saw that in the first class a lot. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Before we switch to what's next in this class, Joey, let's first just look at what Brett Bielma is building in that running back room. Since Brett Bielma has been here, he's added Josh McCray, who just ran for 500-plus yards as a freshman. Yeah, looks gigantic, like a bowling ball. Looks like Monte Ball. Like That's who he looks like to me. Um, But... He did most of that damage in like three games, right? He got sick, kind of, you know, messed up his season there a little bit. But I mean, that's a really impressive first year. I think he can be more involved in the passing game. I was frustrated he wasn't last year. Um, so you got him there. Chase Brown is is still here, could be here for two more years. But I think th- this could be his last year if he does what he wants to do. Um, but then you got Jordan Anderson, who we have both seen and is just a truck. I mean, anyone who saw the state title game and just what they did this season, he's a really intriguing piece that I think is going to get involved as like an H-back uh, immediately on this team. Aiden Lawfrey. Big kid, physical. If he stays healthy, he could be great because he's probably one of the fastest guys in the team already. Uh, and they're already starting to rave about him from his offseason workouts, saying he's going head-to-head with Isaiah Williams in certain drills. So pretty encouraging to have that kind of talent there. Now you add a Caden Fagan, 6'3", 225, athletic but big. Obviously, uh, they hope to be like a battering ram that that has some athleticism and speed. Uh, I think Reggie Love can still be really good if he stays healthy. And I think that's where they need more is, is a kind of you know, versatile guy who's got quickness and speed. That's where Aiden Loffrey comes in after Chase Brown. But you feel like you're going to be pretty dang good at running back. But if there's one position you're not surprised Brett Beam was doing well at, it's running back, given his history uh, at Wisconsin with Melvin Gordon, Monte Ball, John Clay. You know, you go up and down the list. And in Arkansas, he had a couple NFL guys on his backfield, including uh, Alex Collins and, and Jonathan Williams. So not a surprise he's doing well at running back, but still encouraging to see. Guess what? The pitch works, right? Outside of Dallin Hayden, who was – Let's be honest, that was the pipe dream of all pipe dreams, really, and trying to get him. And you had to use some connections to even put yourself in the conversation. Brett, the, the running backs, he's really circled in the last two classes. The guys you mentioned, Josh McRae, which looks like an exceptional find when they found him. Aiden Lawford, Jordan Anderson, Caden Fagan. When Brett circled those guys, got him. I mean, Dallin is the only one they really put the full press on. And they missed him to Ohio State. Like, yeah, like they, you, they knew that was a long shot, right? But they were in the final yeah, three. You, you shoot your shot on it. And I, I think that pitch, and look, I mean, this isn't breaking news. When Brett got hired, I think you and I were like, well, I'd imagine they're probably going to recruit running back and offensive linemen pretty well. And, mm-hmm. I mean, as we're seeing, I mean, the jury's still out on how this all works on the field. But they're, they're doing – and getting the guys that they're really pushing for more, more running back than offensive line. They missed out on a few of the guys 
that they've really pushed for on the line. But think of the year 2024, right? Caden Fagan's a sophomore. Josh McCray would be a senior, yeah. junior, senior. I don't, math is not for me. Um, it, Jordan Anderson and Aiden Lawfrey. That'll do. Yeah, maybe, right. maybe Reggie Love's still there, and maybe you got somebody else coming in, another speed guy. So uh, you feel pretty dang good about that position. Let's see where else they can they can uh, address here, and let's dive into that, Joey. Now you got your headliner to start this class, and that's what they wanted. They were the last Big Ten program to get a commit, but boy, it was definitely worth the wait, right? So now, how do you follow that up? Um, Brett Bihuma, two weeks ago, when I asked him about recruiting, said, hey, we're not pushing the envelope because we want to set the tone with our first commits. And he said wave of commits. So if you think there's a wave coming, this is usually the time it happens, right? It's spring, you get on campus for unofficial visits. Then you have your official visits in June. That usually starts another wave. Uh, and then you start again in the fall and, and kind of wrap up with uh, the December official visits. So there's usually kind of like four waves that this happens in. This could be the first one. And Lante put me on the spot on radio yesterday because he, oh. he was asking me, who are some out-of-state guys I should be looking for? And I was like, man, you put me on the spot. And I really – there's kids out of Florida, uh, some DBs especially. We talked about this in our spring preview. Like, they're going to get Florida defensive backs. That seems to be the focus. So there are some guys, and it'll be interesting to see who comes here in the spring for unofficials and then June for officials – but it's mostly in-state kids. A couple out of St. Louis, like Frederick Moore, wide receiver out of Cardinal Ritter, uh, Tyler Gant, defensive tackle, and, and, and Iowa and Wisconsin, and, and a bunch of programs are in on him, so that could be difficult. But it's mostly in-state kids uh, that, that I would be really focused on. If you're looking for another top 10 kid, I think Malik Elzey out of Chicago Simeon, they're doing really well with. I think they've made up ground there with him visiting twice in the last three weeks. And Jair Hill out of Kankakee, some people thought would already be Michigan bound. But I think with some of the coaching change there, including Mike McDonald, who's who re- recruited him, the defense coordinator going back to the NFL uh, with John Harbaugh, I think Jair Hill, the, the door might be open a little bit. So I don't know if Illinois is the leader there with either of them, but both of them have visited twice in the last three months uh, with Caden Fagan. And I think Caden committing might open up the door a little bit more for Illinois to be like, hey, Caden's on board. Here's talent. Look what we're building. It's a bunch of in-state kids. Kankakee's an hour away, right? Chicago Simeon's two hours away. You can do it in-state, and you are our priority, as opposed to maybe Michigan, Notre Dame. They got another four-star kid that they would be just as happy about. We'd love to have you here. So I think those are the two, if you're looking for headliner, spring, early summer, maybe you can convince those guys. They haven't set an official date or anything for, for announcing, but – I feel like Illinois is trending better to where they're among the top options for those guys. Yeah, last year was a foundation class, and this year has a chance to be like a star class. And, and I think there's still a lot of possibility out there. Those guys are, are a big part of it. Uh, Jeremy, you and I were, were told a couple months ago how important it is to interlock these guys with each other. And that's why when when we say so-and-so, you know, Jair Hill visited with Caden Fagan, Malik Elzey visited with Caden Fagan – those were the beginning parts of kind of sewing or their attempt to sew some of these prospects together with one another, commit to each other as much as you're committing to us, as much as you're committing to Illinois. They did and it last saw, year. They did a really good job of it last year. And you and I believe that, at least we think that the plan is similar to last year in the sense of this first wave, 
Okay, good, good. You commit, thumbs up, everybody's happy. And you're all here on this first official visit. And then here are also all these kids who are uncommitted, who are thinking about trying to make that plunge. And it's a lot of work to pull off. We, yep. we wrote about it last year, how much it takes, Jeremy, to get all of these guys and, and show everybody the right amount of love when you have this many people. But you also lean on your commits to do that. And, yep. and you lean on them to sow those bonds a little bit, which is why we think this could be the start of a wave here for the class of 2022. Now, is that four guys, five guys? I don't know. I, I don't know how many it is, but I think you and I both believe it is a few or, you know, some, but yeah. it has to be to get this. We think this plan to work like they want it to work. Yeah. Last year they grouped in Jared Beatty, Malachi Hood, Jordan Anderson, Ian Pugh. They got the two JCA guys early uh, and then they get Beatty and Pugh right after them right and they're all kind of knew each other and were interlocked in that way they tried with the four central illinois kids got three of them you know clayton leonard hank Beatty uh, committed around the same time uh then you get aiden lawfrey after that they tried to get austin brown as a part of that weren't able to convince austin brown to not play for jim leonard in wisconsin which i can't blame the kid um but they did that extremely well um to, to group recruit those guys uh and then then i think this year you could see the same thing uh, they can recruit East St. Louis kids now, right? And while Miles McVeigh is the very, very big fish there, the four-star offensive lineman, they're sitting really well with Antoine Hayden. The only Power 5 offer for the three-star linebacker out of East St. Louis that can play inside or on the edge. Um, I, I think they're doing really well with him. I'd almost be shocked if they don't get him. But they're also recruiting Brandon Henderson out of East St. Louis, a three-star offensive lineman. So you get group recruit those guys along with some of the St. Louis kids, Frederick Moore, uh, Tyler Gant. They all visited basically outside of Henderson on the same weekend. And then some of these Chicago you know, Catholic League kids that, that they're going pretty hard after, including Roderick Pierce, uh, a defensive lineman uh, that they're recruiting really well. He's gotten some bigger offers here recently. Wisconsin just came with an offer, so they're battling him. But Pat Farrell, uh, a kid out of St. Rita that they're the only Power 5 offer for. So you could see these groups and how these kids would know each other, recruit them together, makes it easier. I mean, this isn't rocket science, but they do it extremely well. Um, and, and they know all the pressure points of all these kids. And, and uh, I think this is a smart one because when your peers are doing something, Joey, as you know, growing up through life, it's easier to jump on board with it. It is. And, and they're a really good read of people that we've seen of the staff and knowing, knowing the pressure points, it's not the hardest thing in the world, but it's not the easiest thing either to know. I mean, you got a lot of different pressure points you got to remember. I, I think of the, I'm going to try everything back to the office. I think of when Michael was on a sales call and he had like note cards and it was like yep. red means go through the light or something. He had all these stupid things written down. I mean, that's what it feels like. They have all these mental note cards of, okay, so-and-so has this or, you know, so-and-so has this and this works. Hopefully they're not as confusing as, as how Michael Scott wrote it down, but I, they have done a really good job of knowing how to attack each person, what works, what doesn't. And I, I just really think that the group recruiting matters so much. And you've done this far and away longer than I have. And I'm sure this isn't tremendously unique, but to make it such a big focal point, at least what we see it to be a, a pretty good sized focal point, it's smart again when you have very little on the field as of today to sell you got to get creative sell other things 
I want to do a basketball offseason podcast at some point in the future here with you and Derek. Um, so we'll dive into all this because you're seeing some transfer news of Illinois being in on some guys and, of course, Sky Clark and all of that and transfers coming and going, all that stuff. So we want to dive into that. But, Joey, before we wrap up, I just want to spend a couple minutes on uh, the new women's coach, Shauna Green. Uh, you and I were both at her introductory press conference. I think we can all agree, six-year resume at Dayton is, is superb. Five Atlantic 10 championships, three Atlantic 10 Coach of the Year awards, uh, and, of course, four NCAA tournaments. Uh, appearances, really good hire. I mean, she was making good money at date to five hundred thousand, and Josh Whitman gets eight hundred thousand up to her. But this is a really good resume. I think Matt Bolant had a great resume coming in here, and it obviously didn't work. Uh, so this is a tough job. But I was really impressed with her, her message, her acknowledgement that this is going to be a really, really difficult job, but that she embraces that, almost wants it. Uh, I know you did a story on that, but I, I was also impressed that Josh Whitman was persistent enough and convincing enough. Not that that's surprising at this point, year six or whatever with Whitman, but um, I think it says something about him that he's able to land somebody that I would have thought could have been more patient or could have landed a, a high major job with, with more success. So to be able to land her, I think, was a good get, given her resume and given what we heard from her the other day. Yeah, she was really impressive. And, I, and as we talk, we spent all this time talking about pressure points. And Josh had to really read that pretty well to not feel like, he was invading on her season that was continued into the second round of the NCAA tournament, but also letting her know that we're going to fight like crazy to, to get you to be a part of this and be our leader here. I, I, Josh did a really good job of reading that and putting that together, but man, she was, her and Brad Underwood might be best friends at some point in like a week because a lot of what they, they mirror, their words mirror each other quite a bit in terms of, of what they're looking for and how they want to play and, and understanding that that's going to turn itself. They, in the case of Brad, it did. In the case of, of Shauna Green, she hopes it will turn itself into wins. But I, I just think her patience, Jeremy, and her understanding, I think everybody would, would love to go to their opening press conference. And unless you're replacing someone who retired and left you in a good spot, like John Shire, yeah. like, I think everybody wants to go in there and say, all right, see you at the Big Ten Championship next year, and and good Lord, it, you know, we're going to get there. And I, I just thought understanding that this isn't going to be easy. It's it's probably, probably truthfully early, not going to be very fruitful in terms of wins, but it's not going to – she's not going to compromise on what she believes and how to do it. And I, I know we can get into this, Jeremy, but I thought her – her, I think that her knowledge and her, her base and her contact list and recruiting an area, the Midwest, that she's already recruited well. And now she's saying, okay, it's the pitch is different. You, you want to come in and you want to turn it and not continue it like you were at Dayton. And, and you're also selling the Big Ten. And, and the Big Ten women's basketball landscape is on the upswing right now. It, it's a pretty good landscape, which good if you're selling, hard if you're trying to climb up it. But it's I like that part of it as well. Yeah, and Josh Whitman was asked, as he should be, um, why this program hasn't been successful uh, for two decades, right? And he basically said, we've, we've put a lot of time and effort into that. And he said, it, it's got to come down to recruiting and staffing, right? Like, that's a big part of it. And then 
once you do win, as, as uh, Shauna Green said, you got to get the support. And I, I do think Illinois fans would support a good women's program, just like Iowa is doing right now. It was amazing to see the cry, crowds. And why wouldn't you go see Catlin Clark? Uh, who's just a, an amazing basketball player, regardless of men, women, whatever. Um, so I, I think they would support it. But I think the issue for Illinois has been, one, getting talent and then keeping your talent. Like, they have seen some of their best players after two years of a new coaching staff enter the portal. You go back to Shatrice White. Uh, you, you go back to some of the players under Nancy Fay the first couple of years. you got to be able to keep them and build on it and sustain it. It just feels like the roster and the coaching staff year after year is just overturning. That can't happen. Like, Shauna Green has to change that just to get better players. There are some players on this, you know, current roster I think you'd like to keep. Adelia McKenzie is a freshman. She was a top 100 recruit. You'd like to keep her. Camille Jackson was a, a top 60 recruit who just signed out of Chicago. You'd like to keep them. Kendall Bostic was one of the best rebounders in the country. So there are a couple pieces here, but she's got a lot of work to do, clearly, uh, in recruiting both the transfer market and in the prep recruiting. But she comes with a lot of credibility, and uh, I, I think her doing it at the Division One level as opposed to the Division Three level, I think it's a much easier transition for her, given that Dayton was an NCAA tournament team. Joe, it was a better program, right? It, this, this just seems more natural than what uh, – you know, Whitman was trying to do with, with Nancy Fay. And Nancy Fay kind of felt like a Lovey Smith hire. It was like, let's get our credibility back, but in practice, does it work? So it cleaned up the program from all the scandal, but did they know how to win at this level? And it clearly didn't work out for both of them. This makes more sense. Like getting the mid major slash, you know, Dayton's hardly a mid major with what it's been doing, but getting the great mid major coach. Um, here and just kind of hit the ground running makes a lot more sense. And get a coach that people wanted. Yeah, Big Ten, you know, Power Five, Division One coaches. There's a lot of coach. There's a lot of programs that would have moved mountains to get Shauna Green. And, and I think Josh going out and and doing it's big. I think she has to nail her staff. Uh, I think that has to be a big. You, you got to win that the first time around. We saw with Nancy that wasn't really the case, and then it's it's really hard to get that back on track especially in basketball where, where recruits are, are so far tied to assistance and, and all of that. And the, we saw with Nancy, the turnover, it was quick. It was rapid. It was often staff wise, player wise. That's why I think you've got to really, you got to hit a home run on that first staff and, and make sure you know what you have. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to take some time, man. It's, and I get it. It's hard to be patient with sports, because they're sports and, and they don't always invite patience when you're a fan, but it's, I, I do, I do think there will be support. I, I think a lot of people, this it reminds me of football in the sense of it's not that far off to, for people, people are there. They just need a reason to be there. Mm -hmm. You know, people are willing to, to be Illinois football fans, Illinois women's basketball fans to go there, to put money in there and go and, and watch. Look at the sport volleyball but, gets, right? Yeah, you, you win and, consistently. And that, they're going to show up. And as Shauna said, she's like, I'm not naive. You don't want to pay money, come here, sit in person, and watch a bad program. That's not – nobody wins. That's not fun for anybody. And, and it was, it'll take time. But I, I think as far as, as you and I kind of talked about, I don't know that we had like a list of 15 people who it could have been. But, you know, I know Brian Hamilton, who's as plugged in as, as anybody and is such a smart guy at the Athletic. If you all remember, Jeremy, when Nancy was – when Nancy retired, uh, he, he said – Go get Shauna Green, whatever you've got to do. And okay, if you if national writers are saying, hey, this would be a fit, and you go do it, 
to me, that carries some weight for somebody who, I mean, I didn't have the biggest, you know, body of, of oh, who could it be? Who could it be? And Josh seems like, and, I, and just in talking to people since, Jeremy, it seems like she's really, really well regarded in basketball and, and understanding how to, how to get this thing off the ground. Yeah, uh, somebody I knew that worked at Dayton said, killer. She's a killer, and that's in a very, very positive tone, the way he uh, put it. So, uh, Joey Wagner, thank you, buddy. Uh, for everybody, thank you for listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast. We will hit on basketball offseason uh, here coming up on the podcast, along with anything uh, that comes up, including spring ball, which obviously uh, we are covering as hard as we can with as little as we actually get to peek into it. <laughs> Joey shakes his head for you listening audience. Uh, we do get to talk to the players and the coaches, and they, they provide a lot of information for us. We don't get to see as much until the spring game, but uh, we're covering it as it goes along here and of course everything that is going with the basketball offseason so thank you for listening to the Illini Enquirer podcast give us a follow a rating review wherever you get your podcast and stay tuned to Illini Enquirer for the latest everybody have a great day take care of each other and we'll talk to you next time on the Illini Enquirer podcast you can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7 The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.